your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and a review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. And hey, be a friend, tell a friend. Leafs have dropped a season high four games in a row. They just fell six to three to the Vancouver Canucks. And, uh, well, I'm going to be joined here by Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Um, Dave, how are we feeling about the Maple Leafs right now? I don't know if I've just seen this so many times that it just like, it you're just numb to me. it now. I'm just numb to it. Like, there's no reason to feel good about losing five straight. But there is a bit of this whole, you know, 18 wheeler off the clip sort of vibe going on right now. And I'm just, I'm not at that point yet. I, no. I, it's, it's just weird. I don't, I'm not, I'm just not there yet. Partially maybe because how many of those games were deemed, I deemed close. And, you know, I would say only two games have the Leafs just looked totally out of it. And maybe that's why I'm just not not even close to being panicked or in that panic mode right now. Yeah, like I, I think that's a fair assessment. You know, like I, I don't think this is time to to hit the panic button. And say, oh, this team is done. They can't do it. They don't have the horses. They don't have the maturity to get over this. They've lost four in a row now. Yada yada yada. Like I've seen some of these yahoos on Twitter going off about how you know Dubis can't put together a team that can sustain uh, a winning culture. They can do it for a couple weeks, but you know they always have these stretches. Yada yada yada. And look. Every team goes through these stretches at the end of the day. Like Toronto's not going to go 82 and 0. They're not going to go, well, 56 and 0, I guess, this yeah. year, right? Like it's not very often that a team ha- goes, what they go, 9 0 and 1? Like they went 10 straight games with points. That does not happen very often either. So I feel like we've been a little bit spoiled this season with the amount of like good streaks that they've been on. And it kind of makes like the bad streaks seem like really bad because we're just not used to it this year but like you said we have dealt with this in the past and you're right it it is kind of numbing it's like yeah well we we kind of expected this you know when it comes to the Leafs games that they should win they typically lose and that's what we saw happen tonight they should have won this game they should have won the last game and they outplayed Vancouver last game and really should have won it but then like coming into this one I don't know about you but but I thought that Vancouver was just running off of adrenaline and I figure coming out uh, on that game on Sunday, that was kind of how I chalked that up. They just pure adrenaline went in there. They kind of got their their asses handed to them by Toronto, but still able to gut out a victory because of a, a great performance by Brayden Holpe. And then it happened again tonight, except Vancouver was actually like up to par with Toronto for like the whole game. What I saw the last two games is for the lack of time that we've heard about the Canucks not having to prepare for this game, Travis Green put together a good, a solid game plan for this team to be like in the first game, look, 
You're not going to have your legs in the first. Just keep it close. Block shots. Keep the chances down. No, we got to just get a save or two from Holpe, and we can just keep this thing close. Pretty much the same thing happened in this game, except they they pushed the pace a little bit more, especially at the beginning. You saw that they were really they, – they had their legs a lot more in this game. And you just don't – don't met, no, any opportunity you get to put a puck on net, do it. Like the least – the last few games – this last stretch has shown that there's a vulnerability in the you know in between the pipes for this team and a lot of teams now know this and they're going to take advantage of it yeah let's uh let's not delay the inevitable inevitable any longer uh tonight was not a good night for can we even call him big save dave I, he's not making the big save today. Our, our good friend Austin Owen said, oh, big save must have left all of them in Calgary because they ain't <laughs> here in Toronto. No, they're not. Um, tonight, not a good night for him. No. Uh, for, for my, like, the five goals that he allowed, four of them, I think, were, were bad goals. Like, yeah. realistically, I think four out of the five goals were, were bad ones that he probably should have had. The only one where I could say, all right, I guess so, is probably the – was the the four three goal with Pearson out in front? I mean, I guess you're not going to make that stop, but that that five three one that went like off the inside oh. of his pad and in a uh, Hoglander shot went right through him. Um, you think about Hughes's shot that kind of went right through him. I it did deflect off of Marner's stick, but like it's just he did not have a good game at all. No, and it's been par for the course the last few games in that look. You you you're getting unreal goaltending, you know, un, unreal goaltending performance played against you, and then your goaltenders are giving up clean shots, no traffic, like the classic road hockey slap shot that everybody likes to take, and usually doesn't go in, and they're going in. Like I I I, I agree with you that there's probably only two goals I would say that Riddick. You can say either way. He could, you know, it went other way from, but that's also a lot of goals that he should have had. Any NHL goaltender would have it. He's taking responsibility for it. But I, I, at the same time, with this whole taking responsibility after the game, look, it's what you do on the ice. You can say everything you want to say off the ice, but your your job is to make those saves. And when you're not making the saves on the low danger chances, you're not putting your team in the best position to win. And it no. looked like after, I think it was the Hoglander goal, that, that was team goal. just looked deflated. Well, because that was such a momentum killer. Like, they had just yeah. taken the 3-2 lead. They scored on the power play, and it seemed like they, they were just going to get that momentum back and, and have a great third period and put this thing away. And instead, they end up allowing Hoglander to score shorthanded, and that got it tied up at three, and then it was all Canucks from there all Canucks from there just completely killed momentum. And those are the big saves. And obviously this is the podcast. So you can't see that I'm, you know, doing the, the finger quotes, big save. Dave did not come up big there when they needed that save. Cause that really was like the turning point in this game was that Hoglander goal. Yeah, it was. I mean, you look at Pearson in, on his second goal of the game, the one that pretty much sealed the deal, yeah. was laughing. When an <laughs> NHL player is laughing that he scored a goal like that, 
like the team is just they're they're on cloud nine at that point. And and people are like, oh, the Leafs effort. Well, unfortunately, if you see your goaltender giving up a goal like that a couple of times, you're just like, what are we gonna what can we do about it? There's nothing we can do. He has to make the save. He's not making the save. Yes, you want to see the team respond and try to win despite in spite of that, but you also get a lot of your as you said, the momentum was taken from them. They they're just like, oh my god, we just got the lead. Like you know, a great shorthanded chance. We finally get a power play goal, which has been the biggest talking point over the last month with this team. Hey, and then, back-to-back games with a power play goal. It's heating up, pal. <laughs> it's starting to heat up. Well, well here's the problem. Uh-oh. If they, they, they score, they don't score on the power play, they win games. They score on the power play, they lose games. I'm okay with them going 0 for 164 the rest of the way if that's how this is going to go. Because that's how it yeah. seems like it's going to be. Because that's how it's been for like the last, I don't know, last back half of the season. It's, there's it's, no, there's no way that everything goes right. There's always something that goes right, and then something goes wrong. There's yeah. just, just no common ground with this team right now. Also, I will, I will say this too. When it, when it comes to that that five three goal by by Tanner Pearson, awful turnover by Kerfoot at center ice to yeah. to allow Pearson to come in like that and get that shot off. Um, yes, Riddick needs to make that save a hundred times out of a hundred. Um, but also, you know, Kerfoot has got to be a little more protective and, and, and giveaways too are, are something that the, this least team, it's just becoming a little bit more common for, for them. You know, they're, they're playing a little bit more sloppy. It seems like the last, uh, last little bit, someone who didn't have a sloppy game though, who, which, you know, I don't want to dwell on the, on the negative the whole time, but Mm. I, I thought Nylander actually had a fantastic game and, um, I thought that this was a chance for him to come out and, and kind of, I guess, show his uh, how much he is sorry, I guess, for, you know, the whole missing the meeting episode the other night. Like, we, we all heard about the fact that he missed a, a meeting yesterday and there was a potential that he wasn't going to play in this game at all. And then all of a sudden, Mikheyev goes down and they actually do need that body in the, in the lineup. So, Nylander does get to play. But uh, I think that he definitely kind of, uh, you know, put the, put the team on his back a little bit and, and had a, a fantastic game, uh, made some really good plays, set up Tavares on the game's opening goal. He screened the goaltender for, for Tavares' power play marker on the penalty that he drew, um, you know, went barreling into the net, uh, had a couple of good opportunities and good looks himself, um, did some back-checking a little bit. Like, Nylander to me was probably the best player on the ice not even best leaf but like probably the best player despite the loss i would agree and for the people that were calling for him to be benched tonight boy do those takes look really bad well, they I, lost I, anyway <laughs> they lost anyways yes but imagine how much worse it would have been if william nylander wasn't playing i'll tell you what i like about it it, this is like like accountability. Like he took accountability yes. for his actions, and he made it up to his teammates with a exactly. very strong performance. He said, "I'm sorry, guys. I'll be better. I got to do better." And he showed by his actions tonight that he knows that he needs to do better and be to be better. And that's what he did did today. Put together a great performance tonight against the Canucks. I think what Nylander's has shown me this season. People are going to say whatever they want to say about him off the ice. There's that narrative that's just never going to go away with him. He doesn't care about that. He just cares about what he's doing on the ice. 
I think that's the biggest difference I've noticed from him, especially this season. He's just going to, he's going to continue playing the way he knows he needs to play to be successful. There was all that talk. Oh, maybe they need to get him away with Tavares. Him and John Tavares have been the best Leafs over the last little bit. John Tavares has been unreal for this team. And tonight, especially I said, there was no, there was no Leafs more dangerous consistently than Tavares and Nylander. It doesn't matter who the third guy is. Actually, Kerfer was pretty, pretty good too. And without, you know, they're losing, they lost Hyman, they lost Mikheyev. And it, Matthews those is playing hurt. Matthews is playing hurt. Which, and... which, which, by the way, I don't know if you've noticed this, but like the last couple of games, like the, he's, he's not shooting it as much no. as like, I, I took a look and I saw he had five shots on goal tonight, which surprised me. And especially when you consider like what this guy looks like on the power play, he's not shooting the puck the way he's that not. he can shoot the puck. And I think that's also a big reason why this team has been losing the last little bit or the last couple of games, because this team just isn't as good when Matthews isn't producing. Like he's such a, a threat and such an important piece to this team. His production kind of is, is what like stirs the drink here in Toronto. Like, I as it should as it should he's he's a franchise player he's the team's best player he's a he's a top five player in the league of course when that production dries up you're gonna have a tough time replacing it um and and I just think that's you know another thing that I noticed about tonight specifically on the power play he's not shooting the puck again which which you know obviously means that that wrist is affecting him like it was earlier in the year when he took a few games off and I just now it gets to the point. Like, would you consider giving him a couple more days rest uh, through the the stretch here to make sure that he's a hundred percent for the playoffs? And you do have to think about it though, because now you know it's it's you're what four points up. I think I saw on Winnipeg. They have a game in hand, and you still have games against Winnipeg. One coming up. Um, later this week, I think it's what Thursday that game is, is yeah, Thursday, probably. I think. Thursday. Uh, yeah, Thursday. Um, so like, can you even afford to give him that rest, or do you think that it'd be worth it to do just to get him hell? You know, not a hundred percent, but kind of get that thing a little bit better. I think it would have been different. It, it, the Leafs were already shorthanded, missing two guys. Like you had to replace two guys in your lineup with. Adam Brooks, uh, Nylander was a potential scratch, but they had, as you said, they had to play him. And if you take Matthews out, like, I don't even know who you would have put in really to address that. Right. And I think now when you get, when you're getting to Winnipeg, you have Felino that's joining the team. I think, uh, I don't know who else will be potentially available. Like you, you have to really consider is Matthews, playing hurt better than just not having Matthews at all. They've weighed that. They've decided at times, yeah, we, we just need to give him the rest. And I think that's the thing that Sheldon, that's, that Sheldon keeps, I think, biggest uh, thing. Well, other than the goaltending thing. Well, I think, I, I, I think, I think he's better than not, you know, not playing. Yeah. Obviously it's better to have a, a 70% Matthews than not having him at all. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's definitely true. But would you rather have, you know, a 70% Matthews that's kind of deteriorating as the season goes on and then he's maybe 60% once the playoffs get here? Or 
Would you rather not have him and try and get him up to like 85, 90% by playoffs? I think that's kind of where, what I think I would be trying to weigh if I was the team. And again, it's difficult because I I think they, they do want to win the division. I think that's still something that they want to do, despite how much people say like, who cares? You know, the fact that there's no fans, there's no home ice advantage. Winning the, the division, I don't think does much for you this season compared to most years. Um, which I suppose there is some merit to that. But still, I think they do want to win it regardless, just so that they can hang a banner up in in the building, like something that they haven't been able to do in a long, long time. And not having Matthews in the lineup, you know, makes that a lot more difficult. But I think that it would make it better for them and, and they would be a better team if he's able to rest up for the playoffs and kind of forego that that opportunity to really solidify that uh, that divisional win. I think you have to, yeah. I think like if he's if his wrist is bothering him going into Thursday's game, then maybe you decide, look, we'll just let him have the night off. Um, you you kind of have to pick. You have to look at where that where you can get the most optimum amount of rest for that injury versus what your schedule has. Like if there's a back to back, if you can rest him. I would consider doing that. You have to find a way to balance because, yeah, you don't want going into the playoffs saying we missed an opportunity to get him healthy because, yes, the regular season is important because you want to get as many points so that when you're going into the playoffs and you're doing the seeding, you're not going to get stuck with a matchup you don't want because you decided, you know, we're just going to kind of coast the rest of the way. At the same time, if Matthews isn't as close, I mean, he's never he's not going to get 100%. I think that's already kind of decided. How what's the best way to get him to eighty percent? If that means giving him some time, you know, near the end, sure, fine. Uh, that that's the balance I think they got to figure out right now because I'm I'm more concerned about how he's going to be in the playoffs than how he is going to be over the next few games. Exactly, exactly. So you know, something to keep an eye on uh, his health over the next little bit, how he's playing. If they decide to, uh, to give him a couple nights rest down the stretch um, might not be the worst thing in the world. So maybe let's not panic. If we see that Matthews is not going to be playing one night, hopefully it doesn't happen against Winnipeg. Cause I think they need him for Winnipeg, but perhaps, uh, you know, against one of the, the lesser teams, I suppose, within the, within the division, um, someone else though, who actually got injured tonight, uh, Zach Bogosian left the game and I don't believe he returned. No, no, he, he did not. He did. And he had an upper body injury, which I'm just like, I didn't look like an upper body injury. That looked yeah. like a, that looked like a, you went skate person to the boards. Um, but yeah, they called it an upper body injury. He didn't return. That's, that's a little concerning. That's yeah, a little better, concerning. Could have rattled the cage, you know, that's true. Which is what they're calling upper body injuries, right? The technically, uh, Carrie price left the game with an upper body injury. And we later found out today that it was, uh, it was a concussion in fact. Uh, but let's, let's hope that is not the case. The Maple Leafs have been very lucky when it comes to, to health on their blue line. Um, this is like their first injury on the blue line. They've, they've pretty much had the same six guys out there tonight. Uh, obviously, they, they took out Dermot and they were able to give Sandine a game. What do you think of Sandine's performance tonight? Well, I'll just say this. Sheldon Keefe just said that Bogosian's going to miss some time. Oh. That is not good. Good news, though, is Razzle Sandine did look very good. I was, 
uh, you know, I was calling for Rasmus Sandin to get some playing time. And in and Kyle Dubas, to his credit, said we need to give him some playing time because you're not just if you want to throw this guy in the playoffs, whether it's for injury or just you want to go with your best group, he's got to play. You got to play yeah. the guy. He hasn't and played I, in, in a year. Like he played like since last year when the AHL season ended in March or whatever. Yeah. He played one game, I believe, with with Toronto at the beginning mm-hmm. of the year, and then he got sent down to the AHL where he broke his foot in that first game. So he yeah. played like two games all season, and they weren't even like full games. Remember when the, the game played in Toronto, he was like the seventh defenseman. He played yes. like eight minutes, nine minutes or something like that. It's it's one of the things that that was a little concerning for me in that because the AHL hadn't started yet and they're trying to you know they got to put him they had him on the taxi squad so he's still practicing but it's like well we're only going to get him in if it's the seventh D and I'm just like I don't like that because the guy's got to get some reps and it also impacts the rest of the lineup too some guys don't like the seventh D rotation because it messes with their timing and it messes with the chemistry and the, and who you're playing with. So I, I thought this was the right decision. I mean, it, he proved it was the right decision. He just looked so comfortable out there and making plays. His vision is what I think is his best attribute. And it's good that he's able to get in because guess what? He might have to play a little bit more uh, depending on what they decide to do now with uh, Bogosian. Well, I think it was also pretty telling that uh, Sheldon Keefe liked what he saw from him because he had him out there in the final two minutes when they were trying to come back and win the game, right? So he was out there getting an opportunity uh, to, to try and come back. And, and I understand probably because he's one of, he's, you know, one of the more, I guess, like offensive defensemen next to, next to Morgan Riley, I guess. So, so I guess it makes sense to have him out there. But it's good to see that he does have some trust from Sheldon Keefe despite not really being played much this year. Uh, so, so that's a good thing, I would say, when, when it comes to Sandine. And now, especially since we, we know that Dermott's going to be out, um, this, this could be an opportunity for him to, to step up. Or, sorry, not Dermott. Uh, Bogosian is going to be out. This, this is a chance for Sandine to step up. And this was kind of the first game for him to, to get a look. And keep in mind that Dermott plays the right side as well, right? So he could slide over. And you could have Sandine and Dermott be playing down uh, as that third pairing. Ben Hutton's going to be uh, coming to this team as well. Uh, someone who they picked up at the deadline. He may also be able to filter in here with Sandine on the left side. So um, I guess at this point, now that they've at least have some depth that they'll be willing to kind of filter through the lineup. Uh, I, I suppose that that doesn't make that Bogosian injury as daunting as maybe it would have seemed uh, before, at least now that we, we have been, we have eyes on Sandine and know that he can play decently. So I guess that's, that's, you know, uh, gives me a little bit of, uh, of reverence about the Bogosian injury. Yeah. And I, I don't know when, uh, when Hutton joined or when he made his way to, I would assume uh, I, I thought he was like right away. Like he might be able to play Thursday in Winnipeg. Yeah. I was, that's what I'm wondering. I, it looked from what I'm seeing, it looks like he will join the team in, uh, in Winnipeg. He's, he's a left shot. So I don't know what that impacts where he plays. And look, Sandine has also said he'll play the right side. I think if you're Sheldon Keith, 
you just got to go with what gives you the best chance to win. I think Sandine gives you a better chance to win because the offensive instincts are there. Um, you know, he's proven in he's he's better defensively than I think a lot of people give him credit for. That was the big thing they wanted him to work on, and he's had a lot of time to work on it, minus the time he was off with the injury. But yeah, I, I I'm it's tough to lose Bogosian. Maybe it's not hopefully he can come back for the playoffs. We don't know to what extent the injury is, but it's I always said that these guys gotta get some rest too, because there's nights where it looks like they're just they just don't have it right. Right, the, con- yeah. the condensed schedule doesn't isn't easy for these guys. The travel out west. Now you're going to Winnipeg. It's gonna it's gonna get a little gonna get a little treacherous out, treacherous out there. So I think getting some guys in. I want to see Lily Grin in at some point. You got to get these guys some reps. Injuries can come as we just saw like that. So you got to get you have to make sure everyone in the wings minus Martin Marincin. It's ready to go. <laughs> just wanted to preface I mean, that one. We don't need to see Marty. We we know what he's all about. We know what he can do and uh what he can't do. We know what he can't do, and that's most things in an NHL. That's that's not nice to say. He he's he's had a long career, surprisingly, in the NHL. So he's must be doing something right that uh that Sheldon Keefe and and uh, Kyle Dubas like him enough to, to keep him around here for what's he been here now for three years, I think. Yeah. So it's, it's been some time here. I think like he's, he's been extended, so he must be doing something right. I'm not quite sure what it is. He's a good, he's a good but, pro. Uh, <laughs> he's a good pro. That's right. Good pro. Good pro. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's do the three stars of the game and then we can kind of wrap this thing up here. Um, so Maple Leafs, uh, although they did lose six to three, quite embarrassingly to, uh, to Vancouver. Um, I don't know about you, but I I actually still have two Maple Leafs in my three stars of the game. Uh, I'll, I'll start with my third star. Um, and that's John Tavares scored two goals tonight. I thought was the second best leaf out there on the ice. Uh, he had a really good game. Um, you know, won some, won some draws as well. And he's someone who's actually really performed well as of late. You touched on it earlier. That second line who's taken a beating through a, a large majority of this season. The past couple of weeks, they've really started to turn it on. And, and if they can keep it going long enough till when Matthews can get healthy and then they can have a top six both firing at all cylinders – this is going to be a scary team, a real scary team. And I thought that Tavares um, kept it going tonight, a couple goals, scored on the power play, uh, really good game by him. So he was my third star. How about you? Yeah, I, I'm going to go with the same because, I, I mean, I can't see him. He, he was either going to be my second or third star, but because the Leafs lost, there's a Canuck that's more deserving to be just ahead of Tavares for that reason. So, I, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with – Tavares is the third star. He, I think what we saw from him tonight on that power play is maybe make him a little more of a focal point of the power play. Let him shoot. He's more willing to shoot. He's got, he's able to get it on that. At least, at least while Matthews is hurt, right? Exactly. He's hurt. All right. Run this thing through Tavares, like get, get him the puck in the bumper and let him shoot from like inside the dots and, and in the slot. Like he can do that. He's very effective when he gets the opportunity to do that. Throw a body out in front, 
kind of like he they did tonight. William Nylander screened the goaltender and, and put pucks on net. And that's like Tavares can do that. He he can definitely do that. He still has a great shot. Yeah, for sure. No, he's uh, he's got a good shot. He's on. He's been your best player the last while, even though your team's not doing well. He's still doing his best to try to. He's the one giving the most consistent effort. If you're looking for a guy that's giving the most effort on the Leafs, it's John Tavares right now. Well, now that Hyman's out of the lineup, that is. But I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. There. He's doing. He, he's he's at least potting it into the net. That's also kind of an important thing. Some yeah. People tend to forget. All right. So uh, who's your second star? Uh, this is a Canuck, uh, Quinn Hughes. Uh, you know, he's he got the goal that I think kind of kept Vancouver from, in, especially in that second period where Vancouver wasn't looking really good. You know. Toronto chopped them like nineteen to eight or something like that. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't pleasant uh, for Vancouver. They kind of were hanging on a little bit there in uh, in the second. But I, you know, Quinn Hughes, he gets that goal. It kind of kept things, you know, kept Toronto a little off balance a little bit. I felt to just not, you know, the turnover. He takes the shot. You got to put it on net, and it it was deflected, but. It was still, uh, you know, a good opportunity. He had he added two helpers as well. Uh, I think he led the Canucks in ice time as well, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, sorry, no, it was Hamannick. But second leading uh, player for the Canucks. I, I've been impressed with them. You know, I know he took a little bit of uh, flack at the beginning of the year. Oh, this guy was deemed a Norris Trophy caliber. Uh, second year in the NHL. Let's give the guy a little bit of a break. He's still... Still a very talented player. Uh, he's the type of player Vancouver needs to uh, to really push the boat for them. So, good good game for him. Yeah, no, he he definitely had a good game, and and it's nice to see because he was someone who came out and and said that he had a really tough time with COVID. Like he was the the player that they're referring to that had IVs. Like he he needed the oh, IVs wow. to, to hydrate. Apparently, he lost a, a bunch of weight. And, I mean, this guy weighs like 160 pounds soaking wet on a good day. I can only imagine, you know, what he's weighing at now that he's lost some weight through the through the COVID. Um, but still going out there, playing hard, and tonight gets rewarded with a big three-point effort and a big win against the, 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 team, the division's top team. Um, I, I also went with the Canuck in this spot, but, uh, I decided to go with Braden Holtby again, like I, 37 save performance made some really big stops. Um, you know, 13 high danger chances against tonight. Once again, um, able to turn aside uh, a majority of those ones. So Braden Holtby keeping this team in it when, when Toronto was really, really going hard in the second period and, and coming up with big, big saves. And despite out shooting them like 19 to eight Toronto lost the actual score by two to one in that period. And that's because Braden Holpe once again, stood on his head. So uh, I, I want to give him some love, give him some credit. And this is really a good story. I think, you know, this, this, a lot of Toronto people may not, you know, be following Holpe's career that closely, but he really had a bad start to the season. Like, and he oh, yeah. didn't play well last year in Washington either. This is not the same Braden Holpe that led the Caps to a Stanley Cup a couple of years ago. It really isn't. And he has not <laughs> been well received to a lot of Canucks fans because of the way that he played earlier in the season. 
And to come and have these back-to-back performances um, while Demko is just unable to play because still out due to COVID. I know he backed up tonight, but still, you know, in a rough shape. And to come out, pick up two wins, pick up a full four points and playing amazingly and giving this team every chance to get those victories, uh, I I think is fantastic. And I jokingly threw this out on Twitter and and the amount of people on Twitter that take things so seriously. I don't know if you saw it, but I said, Braden Holpe uh, hyphen Hammond slash Bennington question mark. And all I meant by that was like, oh, the a goalie who kind of comes out of nowhere that no one's expecting. Is he going to bring this team on a run, you know, like a Cinderella run and, and it's going to be Braden Holpe who takes over the net and takes it back. Um, kind of like the way that, that Bennington and Hammond took over the net down the stretch and led those teams who seemingly were out of the playoffs on a massive run to get into the playoffs they ended differently. Bennington was hoisting the cup. Meanwhile, Hammond, I think, uh, was out, what, first or second round that year, I think. Uh, they, they didn't go too far into the playoffs, I don't believe. Um, but, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I I was having this conversation with uh, with a friend of mine or, or on the Locked On NHL show today, and I'm like, this is a, a weird year like this has been a weird year for everything not just in hockey but like in life in the world and and strange things are happening wouldn't it be strange if this Canucks team goes on an absolute heater down the stretch after rallying behind um the the massive COVID you know uh hurdles that they had to overcome and and they end up making the playoffs and go on a big run here on the back of Braden Holpe of all people uh, I just like in my mind, I have that thought of that happening. I think that'd be a pretty cool storyline if that comes true. I'll just say one thing about the Bennington Hammond thing. Yeah, those guys came out of nowhere. No one expected them to do what they were doing. I know. But that's I know not that whole. But I also know that look, Hopi was brutal to start the year. I know a lot of people are like, well, can't wait for Seattle to pick this guy up. Well, <laughs> this guy might drag the Canucks as close. I mean, look, this Canucks team isn't uh, is going to push as hard as they can for a playoff spot. Yeah, they it got, might be a little too late, but they've they'll they'll do a good try. But I think they passed uh, Calgary. They're getting close to passing Calgary. Yeah, I think they're two points behind Calgary right now. So yeah. they're they've got motivation. They 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 they've said it from the beginning that they're playing to win. If Demko and Holpe are able to give them the goaltending that, look, Demko pre-COVID was unreal. If you're getting Braden Holpe like this right now, that's dangerous because there's nothing that helps a team's chances. And the Canucks saw this last year with Markstrom. A hot goalie really pushes you forward. And I think, yeah, Braden Holpe, if we were talking about last game, definitely gets my first start. I figured let's give someone else a little bit of a do, but uh, not surprised. Yeah, Holpe, uh, he's he surprised me. I thought, oh, Brain Holpe, I'd rather play him than Thatcher Demko. Well, boy, am I in my words a little bit on that one. Well, I thought that he was going to get lit up for a six spot in back-to-back games. Little did I know that it was going to be Campbell and Riddick who were getting lit up like Christmas trees. <laughs> and Holpe standing on his head walks away perfect four for four 
when it comes to, to bringing points home. All right. Uh, first star of the game. Uh, I think we basically talked about it earlier. Uh, yeah. William Nylander to me was, was the best player out there on the ice. A great bounce back game uh, for him or not about because he actually played well the first night as, as well, but a great uh, response after the like questionable, should he be benched? Should he not be benched? And I think he answered the bell and had, had a great game created a lot um, you know, got uh, got an assist on on the Tavares goal, screened the goalie on the second one on the power play, and and made a couple other other really good plays as well. Drew a penalty, so to me, Nylander uh, clearly the the best Maple Leaf, and to me, the best player out on the ice tonight. Yeah, like you know, led the team with six shots, played over twenty minutes, which yeah, that's been a struggle for him. He hasn't been getting the ice time. I think having him on the power play certainly helps. The fact that he was the one that screened Holpe on the power play goal is is quite something uh, because usually people say that that Nylander's not willing to get into the greasy areas. Well, lo and behold, he was getting his hands quite uh, quite dirty, and when he had the puck on his stick, he w- it was just a marvel to see because it looked like he had so many da- you know so many things that he could have done with it, and. Uh, I think he deserved a little bit more actually than what he got tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's one other thing that I found really interesting, actually. I don't know if you noticed, well, I'm sure you noticed it, but like towards the end of the game, when they uh, were trying to get back into it, they put in a line of Nylander, Tavares and Matthews. Yeah. And I thought that was really minor. interesting. Cause those are the three best Maple Leafs on the night. And the fact that Marner didn't make his way over the boards that game and he chose to go with a Nylander, I think really goes to say, like, I think that's that's a respect thing where, you know, I think Sheldon Keefe knew that Nylander needed to have himself a good game to get back kind of into the into the good books after missing that meeting or showing up late to that meeting. And he did. And he responded and he took accountability for his actions with a good game. And I think that was kind of Keefe's way of saying, hey, I, I see you trying out here. And we're all good. We're all square. And, and and like just something little like that, I think is why also Keith is like such a great coach. Just he like does these little subtle things to reward people. Stuff like um, who was it that played the other night? Because he was like from Winnipeg. Why can't I? I'm blanking on it. Like he's from Winnipeg, so he tossed him in the lineup to play. Remember the first when his first game against Colorado. He started Tyson Berry off the puck drop because it was his first game in Colorado. Like he's been known to do some really good things um, with his players. And, and I think that as subtle as it was just to, to kind of toss Nylander out there as like the hero line when they're trying to gun for a goal, I think it's another one of those things where he's like, Hey, you, you earned it kid. Like you, you responded, you played well tonight, um, played better than Marner and, and you earned it. So I, I also want to give Keith some credit as well. Um, sometimes people don't, uh, I guess he doesn't get that much flack, but he doesn't also get that much praise either. So I want to give him just a little bit of praise here uh, from, uh, from myself here on lockdown Leafs. And also just that, Keith has shown some tough love to uh, to Nylander as well. Yeah, you know if he there's there's got to be a fair element to it where, hey, if you're not playing well, I'm not going to play. You play well, I'm going to play you. It, it, it's it really enforces that mentality on the player. And look, Keith said going to this game, what happens with Nylander is all up to him. It's all on how he plays. 
And I think that giving Nylander ownership of how his ice time gets dictated, I think that really that that motivates a player. You got to, as a coach, you got to find a way to motivate your team and get your team ready to play. Absolutely, that's how you do it. And absolutely, uh, despite it being in a losing effort, uh, that's something I think at least positive you can take out of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, Dave. Unless you got uh, anything else you want to share about tonight's game, any any final thoughts on uh, how this one went down? Just get a save. Can we just get a save? Yeah, yeah. We definitely need a save. Who do you go back to? You go back to Campbell and in, in Winnipeg. Yeah, you, you go back to Campbell. I mean, I was a little surprised that Brady got the start tonight. I um, was not. And I, because uh, I spoke about this on Monday show and I felt that the game on Sunday was kind of like must win for Jack Campbell to kind of keep that crease and keep the starting role. And, and the fact that he lost that, I think opened it back up to competition with a guy like David Riddick, but then Riddick didn't come in and, and give uh, an inspiring effort tonight to warrant uh, to be in that goalie competition as well, or kind of take it over and say, Hey, I'm, I'm here too. If anything, this now has a lot of Leaf fans just saying, Hey, when, uh, when's Freddie coming back? <laughs> I, I was just about to say, I, I don't, I think the Freddie Anderson, uh, we saw him on, on the blades today. So maybe, maybe that's the sign that it's not too far off, but you know what? I think, you're you're just gonna ride Campbell as much as you can, and hopefully Anderson's able to come back soon. I don't know how that works logistically with the uh, the salary cap with the cap. That's been the biggest concern. Well, I wonder if I wonder if uh, you know if they do want to bring him back. If Hyman, they because there's what three weeks left of the season. If he's supposed to miss two weeks. I mean, you could toss Hyman on LTIR and 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 bring Freddie back just to make sure that he gets a, a game or two under his belt before going into the playoffs if if you want to bring him back in and be the guy game one I, I'd be I would kind of be shocked at this point I think especially now that we know that he's skating I think a week ago there was still so much unknown about his injury and and what exactly was going on but the fact that he's skating now I think it is it is far more likely that we actually see him before the regular season's done than it, than it was in the past, and the way that uh, the way that these guys are have been playing lately, I think the Freddie Anderson haters are are being a lot more quiet now than they were okay. a few weeks ago. That's for sure. And the Freddie Anderson fan base are uh, are saying, "Hey, what were you saying a couple of weeks ago? You don't want this guy to play again? Ah, uh, you might want to rethink that because." Yeah. I might be in that boat where I'm rethinking the fact that I didn't want Anderson to get the crease back until maybe the playoffs if Campbell struggled. And now I don't know if he can get back quick enough. Yeah, that's, that's the, that's the interesting part. And I mean, Bogosian is another guy that potentially could go on LTIR. They could need to do that as well. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, look, if Freddie, I I do want to see Freddie at least once or twice before the playoffs. Um, and you, because I don't want to just throw the guy out game on playoffs. He hasn't played in, oh God, when was the last time Anderson played? I don't even remember now. Well, like early that, March, early March. Like that's, that's a tough thing to ask a goalie to just come in like that. So 
Yeah, I'm not total. Like I, I said, just let Campbell write it out. But I didn't. I, I Anderson might <laughs> might actually get a, a chance to stuff to uh, to you know bring get his rep back a little bit, get yeah. his rep up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going into a contract year too, right? So I I don't think this would be beneficial for Anderson to not come back. I think coming back and playing well would be best for him going into an off season where he's got to pitch himself as a free agent. Right. Exactly. So sure. it's going to be in his best interest to get back as soon as possible too. Right. And there's going so, to be teams looking for goalies. So oh, Toronto will probably be one of them. <laughs> I don't want to get into that conversation right now. Cause we gotta, we gotta that's off season. That's, that's, off season. Off, that's, that's some off season. That's some later in the year talk if Freddie comes back and, and performs, I guess uh, that is definitely going to be a factor in, in whether or not that happens. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll chat about that tons more as the season goes on, but uh, we'll leave that right here for this one. Uh, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the locked on these podcasts on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily leaves content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs and uh, Dave. Let the good folks know where they can follow you. And uh, you got anything coming out to read? Well, if you like NFL draft stuff, there's that uh, <laughs> coming out for Sportsnet. I know this is a hockey podcast. Uh, just follow me on D uh, on Twitter D underscore Morsudi. Two S's, two T's, one R. And yeah, um, it's NHLPA stuff. I wrote about Igor Shesterkin. Who had a really good stretch for the Rangers lately? Uh, so you back to back shutouts, didn't he? Back to back shutouts, first two shutouts of his career. Rangers are they aren't going away. They're keeping no. it close. So uh, Boston's very been playing well too, though. Boston's been playing well. You look the Pittsburgh. Uh, they almost blew a six nothing <sighs> lead. So they, there's a lot those, that East division is going to be very interesting. It, that's the most intriguing race to me. That's the most intriguing yeah. division at this point. I think that's the only actual race. I think maybe, most, maybe the West division. Cause the Yotes are somehow in the playoffs. And, uh, see even the West. I don't really see that happening. Like I think, like, I don't know. Is it I, I feel like probably like, you hope so. If you're, yeah, if, yes. if if you're the if you're, uh, I mean the Oats right now they got nothing to lose. They don't have a first round pick, so where they finish it doesn't really matter for them. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, we'll 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 have tons of that conversation over the next couple of weeks. As maybe actually, I'm probably gonna have that discussion later this week. Talk about some of the go around the league and talk about some of the other playoff races. We focus so much on Toronto and on the Canadian division that. So often, I know that you, you know everybody up in Canada does the same, where they've kind of turned a blind eye to, to the remaining what twenty four teams down in uh, down in the states and the other three divisions. Like, what's going on over there? But who knows, right? Like, exactly. I, I don't actually know exactly what's happening fully. Like, I have an idea, obviously but certainly not to the extent that I do up here in the Canadian division. So maybe we'll take a look at what's going on around the rest of the divisions as these playoff matchups uh, or these playoff runs, these final stretch kind of comes, uh, comes up here, but uh, we'll, we'll leave that one right here. Thanks so much for joining me again, Dave. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Always great to be here. 
Uh, I'll be back with another episode for you guys tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.